Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And I also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Today we're going to do a Super Bowl edition um, of the podcast where we're going to look at the uh, financial allocation of the two teams and also sprinkle in a little bit about which uh, participants on the Bengals and the Rams um, could be headed for decent or big money in free agency. Super Bowl 56 is going to be played at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. Um, I don't have a rooting interest in the game. I just want one thing. Last time the Super Bowl was in um, Los Angeles was back in 1993, the 1992 season. Um, When the Cowboys played the Bills, I just hope the game is much better than that game. The Cowboys blew out the Bills. The best thing about the Super Bowl that was at the Rose Bowl um, was the halftime show. That was Michael Jackson. So, (laughs) low bar to set. Low bar to set to clear that hurdle. Um, The Bengals are hoping that the third time is a charm. Bengals have been to two previous Super Bowls. Lost Joe Montana um, twice. Um, 40 years ago in Super Bowl 16, and then seven years later in Super Bowl 23. Um, the Rams are in their fifth Super Bowl. First one came in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl um, in 1980, Super Bowl 14, when they made a improbable run to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers with Vince Ferragamo at quarterback. 20 years later in Super Bowl 34, in a thrilling game, beat the Titans for their only Super Bowl victory. Two years later, lost in Super Bowl 36 when an unproven Tom Brady engineered a game-winning drive, which led to an Adam Vinatieri field goal. Then um, three years ago in in Super Bowl 53, in a low-scoring affair, lost Tom Brady again. These two teams could not have been built... uh, more differently and also prove there's more than one way to skin a cat and when you put together a team which has uh, to be a Super Bowl contender. Now, the Bengals have gotten an undeserved reputation for being cheap. It's something which has kind of been a misnomer for years. Because um, once upon a time, I believe at the end of the 2005 season, Bengals made Carson Palmer the highest paid player in the NFL, Uh, but nobody really thinks of that as the Bengals. Past two years, Bengals have been very aggressive in free agency, which is uncharacteristic. They've been one of these teams which pretty much relied on 
building through the draft, but they've gone out and augmented particularly the defense uh, through free agency. And doesn't hurt when you can hit home runs with your first-round picks. That two top-five picks past two years, Jamar Chase this year, went number five. Some people thought they made a mistake and should have drafted uh, Penny Sewell and the tackle who's with the uh, Lions, but went wide receiver to reunite 2020 first overall pick Joe Burrow um, with Chase, and that's paid huge dividends. Free agency and great drafting, particularly at the top of the draft. Rams have taken a more conventional approach because Les Snead hasn't met a premium draft pick that he likes. Um, The last time the uh, Rams picked in the first round was in 2016 um, when they uh, drafted Jared Goff uh, first overall. Now, that doesn't mean the Rams don't build through the draft because since 2017, they've had 45 overall draft selections. Um, None of them have been earlier than 44th overall, but they do build the roster, particularly with day three picks. Uh, That's fourth through seventh round picks. So this is a team that goes after highly productive, proven commodities through trades, but also has their share of the bulk of the roster or, or some guys who make contributions being draft picks. Now, um, if you look at how the uh, teams are allocated um, financially, in terms of where they are cap-wise, the league-wide cap is $182.5 million. That's not what each team works with because there's something called an adjusted salary cap where since you can carry over cap room, unused cap room from one year to the next, and there are other adjustments usually for incentives, a reconciliation of incentives, um, not likely to be incentives, which uh, weren't achieved and likely weren't incentives that were met, um, that factors into what can be your adjusted salary cap. Um, the league-wide adjusted salary cap is 193.7. Bengals, theirs is a little over 195.1, slightly above league average. The Rams, they are near the bottom of the league in terms of adjusted salary cap. Seven teams have less to work with, and they're at basically 187.1. In terms of overall cap room used, uh, the Bengals are basically at um, 189.8 and had basically 5.3 million that they didn't use. The Rams use basically 187 million of their, their cap and have uh, $137,725 of unspent cap room. Now, we're going to focus on what are the key contributors you know, from looking at it from a cap space standpoint. That is 29 players for the Bengals, 30 for the, 30 for the Rams, 15 on offense for each team, um, 15 players on defense for the Rams, and 14 for the Bengals, and we're also going to look at special teams. Now, one thing where there's a huge disparity is there's something called dead money in the NFL. And that is a salary cap charge for a player who is no longer on a team's roster. And because of the way that the cap works, that 
signing bonuses, option bonuses, and ro- certain roster bonuses get prorated um, through the life of a contract up to five years. So when you release a player, trade him, or he retires, then the bonus proration um, immediately hits the cap unless one or two things occur. That if you release someone at or trade them or they retire after June 1, then the bonus proration in future years hits the cap the following league year, or each team can designate two guys as post-June 1 designations each league year where you release them. It does not apply to trades, only if you cut somebody. You cut somebody... Um, before June 2nd, you carry them on the roster at their full cap number until then. Then their salary comes off the books as if it isn't guaranteed, and then you get the same cap treatment as if you released them after June 1, where the bonus proration in the future years doesn't hit the cap until the following year. For the Rams, the Rams have a little over $42 million in dead money this year. That's near the top of the league. It's one of the highest amounts in the NFL this year. Now, 24.7 of that comes from trading Jared Goff to the Lions. And the $24.7 million cap charge is the second largest in league history. The Rams have been comfortable with having big dead money charges. They did for the 2020 league year when, at the time, they set the record for the most dead money in one league year with wide receiver Brandon Cooks when he was straight to the Texans. That was $21.8 million. Now, um, they also have an $8.4 million dead money charge because they used a post-June 1 designation on running back uh, Todd Gurley in March 2020. Also, Deshaun Watson's dead money is just a little over $3.475 million. And Michael Brockers, when he was also subsequently traded to the uh, um, Lions, is $2,666,667. The Bengals' dead money is nowhere close to that. It's, it's about a, a third of uh, the Rams. It basically $13.275 million. The most significant dead money charges they have are Geno Atkins, the defensive tackle, was released in March, $5.2 million, and Carlos Dunlap, um, defensive end, who was traded in the middle of 2020 season, $2.225 million um, in dead money. Uh, one thing I'm not including in the dead money is the $3,333,334 cap charge the Rams have for uh, when um, one of their edge rushers, uh, Leonard Floyd, um, had his 21-22 contract years void. Because he subsequently resigned, I'm putting that into his cap charge. So if he hadn't resigned um, with the Rams, it would be dead money since he is still on the roster. Um, I'm not including it in dead money. So um, let's take a look at um, how things go um, offensively with the uh, key contributors. For Cincinnati, it's basically $64.275 million on offense and $78.2 million defensively. The major difference is because the free agent signings are on defense and those first-round picks are on offense. The Rams pretty much an even distribution for the key contributors. $58.5 million offense, slightly $54 million on defense. Now, a quarterback, huge disparity. The Bengals have the most valuable commodity in the NFL. Anytime you have a high-caliber quarterback on a rookie contract like 
Joe Burrow. Then that gives you a ton of roster flexibility because you're never going to get a high caliber quarterback as cheap as he will be on his rookie contract. And Joe Burrow is going to be cost effective at least through the 2022 season Um, because he can't do a contract extension until January 2023 uh, once the 2022 regular season has concluded. When Joe Burrow is eligible for a contract extension, whether he signs it in 2023 or 2024, he's going to be the highest paid player in football. But for now, he's on a cost-contained rookie contract. Um, his cap number is a little over $8.25 million. Now, the Rams wanted an upgraded quarterback because uh, Sean McVay got tired of the limitations of Jared Goff. And that was even though they'd signed to a four-year contract extension um, at the beginning of the 2019 regular season, averaging $33.5 million per year, which at the time tied him as the second highest paid player in the league with Aaron Rodgers. Matthew Stafford, after 12 years, wanted out of a losing situation with the Detroit Lions. The Lions accommodated his trade, and this time last year the trade had already been announced because it was uh, agreed to. At the end of January 2021, although it couldn't be formally executed until the first day of the league year, last St. Patrick's Day, um, March 17th. But golf went to the Lions. Um, the Lions also got a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2021 third-round pick. Stafford had two years left on his contract when he was traded, 2021 and 2022. His salary cap number this year is $20 million. Uh, which is about two and a half times more than um, Burroughs. Now, if you include in the dead money that you have for uh, Jared Goff, that means that there is $44.7 million uh, of cap dollars or cap space, $44.7 million in cap space devoted to the quarterbacks between Goff and Stafford. The largest cap number associated with the Rams this year is Jared Goff's $24.7 million dead money charge. That's the biggest thing um, for either team. Um, In running back, the discrepancy is pretty stark as well. Um, You've got close to $10 million of cap allocated for the Bengals versus a little over $4.35 million for the Rams. Now, the biggest cap charge out of the group belongs to uh, Joe Mixon, the Bengals running back. Mixon is one of the uh, eight running backs who's got a deal averaging $12 million per year or more. He's tied for seventh at um, $12 million per year. He signed a four-year, $48 million extension at the start of the 2020 uh, regular season. It's got the fourth largest cap number, just over $8.4 million. It's a little more than Todd Gurley's dead money of $8.4 million. The Rams running back trio of Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Sony Michelle are a little more than half of that. <laughs> a wide receiver, there's more, more cap expenditures on the uh, Bengals side than the Rams side, although the Rams have the guys have the highest paid average yearly salary. The 
Bengals collectively have almost $17.5 million of cap space devoted to wide receivers. Tyler Boyd has the highest cap number of anybody at $9.85 million. Um, Jamar Chase comes in at about $5.6 million, and T. Higgins is just under $2 million for the Bengals. That wouldn't be the case if the Rams hadn't done contract restructures to create cap room where they're kicking the can down the road by uh, creating cap space for the 2021 league year, which in turn raises the cap numbers in 2022 and beyond. Cooper Cup had a $14.5 million cap number, which was lowered to $5.3 million. Robert Woods had an $18.875 million cap number, which is lowered to $5.875 million um, with the uh, restructures. Now, these guys are the only two receivers on one team averaging at least $15 million per year. Um, in September 2020, Cup signed for $15.75 million per year, which now is a bargain for him and Robert Woods. Signed for $16.25 million per year. One thing um, that you don't realize about Robert Woods, who is out with an ACL injury, is that for from 2018 through 2020, he was one of the most productive receivers in the NFL. 266 catches, 3,289 receiving yards. The only nine players who had at least 250 catches and 3,000 receiving yards during this span. Robert Woods is one of them. Most people don't think of Robert Woods um, like that. It's a good thing that Odell Beckham Jr. picked the Rams after he got released from um, Cleveland because he became a necessity instead of being a luxury because a couple of days after he signed, the uh, that's from Woods towards ACL. So Beckham has been – they would Rams wouldn't be there without Beckham. Um, if he had Woods hurt, they just released uh, Deshaun Jackson, who wasn't playing, wasn't working out. I don't think the Rams are there without Beckham. Um, they got him for next to nothing. He has an $850,000 cap charge. Um, the contract he signed has a base value of $1.25 million, $750,000 in base salary, $500,000 signing bonus. And he has $3 million worth of incentives to bring the total to $4.2 million. And those incentives are tied to playoff success. Um, he earned $500,000 for a wild card win against the Cardinals, um, $750,000 each for the divisional playoff and NFC Championship game victories over the Buccaneers and the 49ers. There's $500,000 for getting to the Super Bowl and $500,000 for winning. Um, there's one other requirement that Beckham has to be on the game day active roster and participate in at least one offensive play for each particular contest. Now, the $500,000 for the Super Bowl should raise his total to $2.5 million, but there's one thing we don't know about Beckham, that his girlfriend is expecting a baby at any time, and would Beckham miss the Super Bowl for the birth of his child? Uh, that one remains to be seen. If he did, he wouldn't get the $500,000. He wouldn't be on the game day active roster and be on the field for at least one play. Now, what Beckham's done this year is quite remarkable from the standpoint of how he has resurrected his career because when he was released from Cleveland, he was on the road to being an NFL pariah. People called him selfish, a distraction, a malcontent, a diva. He tore his ACL in the middle of 2020 season, and people thought he was a declining player with diminishing skills. 
it got to the point where Bruce Arians was making jokes about him. When asked if they needed him, he said, we've already got A.B., meaning Antonio Brown. We don't need O.B.J., too many letters. How'd that work out, Bruce Arians? <laughs> He's been a great teammate, according to Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, and others. And, and him coming in, learning the offense on the fly. And once he became more comfortable with the offense and gained Matthew Stafford's trust, in the playoffs, he's looked more like the Odo Beckham Jr. that the Giants made the highest paid wide receiver in 2018 on a five-year contract extension, averaging $18 million per year. In the three playoff games, 19 catches, 236 receiving yards, and one touchdown. Prior to the uh, Browns releasing him, he only had 17 catches, 232 yards, and no scores in six games. So, if you just look at his post-game production, post-season production, so it's, a, it's a small sample size, but that's going to equate to 108 catches for 1,340 receiving yards. In the NFC Championship game, nine receptions, 113 yards. Um, that was his most productive game since week two with the Browns, the second game in Cleveland in September 2019. Um, Beckham said something which would make any agent cringe. When asked if he said he'd be going to take a hometown discount to stay with Los Angeles, even if that's what you want to do, don't articulate that publicly. At least agents hate that because it undercuts leverage you may have and may have a chilling effect on the marketplace. Um, Beckham, from what he's done, particularly in the postseason, has made himself one of the top wide receivers available in free agency. Before all this started, before the signing, he had to be thinking one-year prove-it deal, see how much he could get if he's trying to maximize money or take less money to go to the best situation and then hope he has a great year in 2022 and go from there. He had $30 million left on the remaining two contract years. Wouldn't be a surprise if Beckham ended up leaving L.A. if someone was willing to pay him that $15 million per year or more. But he wants to stay. Um, I don't know if... For the long haul, you'd have Beckham, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods together. Given the salaries of of Cup and Woods, and at some point you're going to have to redo Cup's contract, particularly if he has another year remotely close to what he's done this year in 2022. Woods could be out in 2023, $15.95 million um, cap number. You'd free up $9.55 million of cap space if that were the case. But if Odell Beckham Jr. has his way, and the Rams have said they, when they first signed him, they intended to try to bring him back, he's going to be in L.A. Uh, for the long haul. Now, if he wants to be in L.A., Chargers are going to have a ton of cap room. Mike Williams, expiring contract, will be $18.816 million. Stick a franchise tag on him. But I don't think that's what he meant by L.A., that Odell Beckham Jr. wants to be a Ram. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Both teams have um, injuries at tight end. C.J. Uzama, the Bengals tight end, and Tyler Higby both suffered knee injuries in the conference championship games. Um, Higby has been ruled out. He was put on IR. Um, Uzama is going to play. Not, don't know how effective he's going to be, but he will be active. He's got the biggest cap number of the two at $6,333,334. Um, it ranks six among um, tight ends. And he's going to be a free agent. He signed a three-year uh, deal averaging $6.1 million per year. Um, it's beginning in 2019. If you just adjust that for cap inflation, that's going to get you to $6.75 million. Um, he's, it wouldn't surprise me if Uzama is looking at Johnny Smith, who had 41 catches for 488, 448 yards and eight touchdowns with the Titans in 2020 before he got $2.5 million per year from the Patriots. Um, Uzama had a career year, 49 catches, 493 receiving yards, five touchdown receptions. Eh, he ain't getting to $2.5 million per year. That would shock me. Now, maybe he can get to Logan Thomas's $8 million per year that Thomas signed at the start of training camp. Um, with the Washington Commanders, that would be a little more realistic for him to target. Now, if you go to the offensive lines, um, there's slightly under $21 million in cap space allocated by the Bengals to a little under 14.5 uh, by the uh, Rams. Now, there aren't any big cap charges on either side for either team. Um, there aren't any $10 million per year players for the participants. Biggest cap number belongs to Trey Hopkins, the uh, Bengals center, at $6.575 million. And that's because the Rams restructured more contracts. That's a recurring theme with the Rams. It's restructured contracts to get under the cap. Right tackle Rob Havenstein um, did a contract restructure. And left tackle Andrew Whitworth, the NFL's man of the year, um, took a pay cut. Uh, Whitworth took a $5.5 million, $5 million pay cut down to $4 million. He uh, gave up, got incentives to get back $4.5 million of the $5.5 million. He's made $3 million because of his offensive playtime being um, at least 54% and the Rams improving in a team statistical category. His playtime for the season was 85%. Um, he also had incentives based on uh, playoff success, success which were predicated on 65% play time, where he got $500,000 for making the playoffs. Another um, a playoff win was worth $500,000, and the Super Bowl victory will be worth another $500,000. That's how you can get the whole $4.5 million. And also, there is a base salary escalator. Whitworth, who's 40, is contemplating retirement, but his 22 base salary increased by $1 million with the Rams getting to the playoffs and another $500,000 for the playoff win. The, the playtime requirement was um, 75% um, to do that. Now, let's go to the uh, defensive side of the ball where there are significantly more cap charges for the Bengals, then opposed to the Rams, there's about a $20 million discrepancy in favor of the Bengals. Now, highest paid player on the Bengals is edge rusher Trey Hendrickson at $15 million per year. He was signed to 
helped shore up a pass rush, which was last in sacks in 2020-17. Went up to 42 this year. He went to the Pro Bowl. Now, in edge rusher, you've got three guys between the two teams averaging $15 million per year. Hendrickson, I just talked about, and the Rams have two guys. Um, Leonard Floyd re-signed for $64 million over four years. His cap charge is a little over $8.8 million when you include the 3.3, which related to his 2020 contract voiding. Now, with Von Miller, the Rams only have a $722,222 cap charge for him. He was acquired right before the trading deadline for 22 second and third round picks, which go back to the Rams' philosophy of getting rid of premium picks. Um, I think the compensation was the two picks because before the trade was made, and you have to have enough cap room to acquire the remaining salary for a player. And that was going to be $9,722,222 for uh, Miller. But the Broncos converted $9 million of that in a signing bonus before the trade. So that's why there's such a low cap hit. And that's also the cash that the uh, Rams are paying um, to Von Miller. Now, that's not the contract he's on. He, his contract is expiring. He's going to be a free agent. And when he was traded, the Rams said we'd like to re-sign him too. Now, Von Miller, in 2016, was franchised by the uh, Broncos after being Super Bowl 50 MVP, became the highest-paid non-quarterback, signing a six-year, $114.5 million contract, averaging just under $19.1 million per year. Now, he missed all of 2020 with an ankle injury requiring surgery. He's 32 years old, and the Broncos tried to get him to take a pay cut around this time last year. And J.J. Watt had gotten released thoroughly and signed for $28 million over two years as the base value of his deal um, with the uh, Cardinals, who's also 32 years old. So they were thinking around that neighborhood, $14 million per year, and trying to get him to extend. He said no. Um, he's making $18 million this year. Now, I don't know what you pay a pass rusher who can still have some gas left in the tank because Miller has seven sacks in his last seven games, including the playoffs. Once he got over the ankle injury that he had when he first got there, he looked like the Von Miller of old as opposed to an old Von Miller. But I don't think he's going to be at the 19-1 on whatever deal he signs because – Typically, you get into your mid-30s as a pass rusher, you're going to have diminishing returns. But he's going to want more than Watt, so that'll be an interesting one to look at. Now, both teams have um, pretty significant allocations of defensive tackle. They're pretty even. The Bengals are just under $22 million, and the uh, Rams are just over $23 million. Now, the Rams, the bulk of it comes from Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald had a... million cap number, which was the biggest for an interior defensive lineman before turning $18 million of his base salary into signing bonus, create $13.5 million of cap room. So now it's basically $14.4, and it's third. He's the charter member of the $20 million per year non-quarterback club after 
his second holdout in 2018, um, right before the start of the regular season. He signed for $22.5 million per year. Six years, $135 million on the extension, $86.892 million in guarantees, $40 million signing bonus, which is the largest ever for a non-quarterback. And the Bengals, which goes against the narrative of them being cheap in 2020 free agency, at the time made DJ Reader the highest paid run-stuffing interior defensive lineman with a four-year, $53 million contract, averaging $13.25 million per year. His $13,562,500 cap number is the second largest on the Bengals and fourth for interior defensive linemen. Neither team has any huge investment in off-ball linebackers. It's... About $2.25 million cap-wise for the Bengals and about $1.75 for the uh, Rams. That's because all the key players are on rookie contracts. You've got Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson for the uh, Bengals. And then I'm saying Ernest Jones because he was starting earlier. And Troy Reader um, for the Rams. Biggest cap number is Pratt's at a little over 1-1. Collectively, their cap numbers are all under 4 million. So, Cornerback is where the Bengals have the most allocated cap-wise, and it's almost twice as much as the um, Rams. Uh, they've really overhauled cornerback in free agency. Now, I'm including one guy in there that was supposed to be the marquee signing that has been a disappointment for the past two years because of injury, and that's Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes was signed in 2020 free agency, $42 million contract for three years, averaging $14 million per year. In the playoffs, he's only played minimally on special teams. He only played five regular season games, started four of them because of a hamstring injury. He missed the entire 2022 season for torn pectoral muscle. I don't think Trey Waynes is going to be around uh, for the 2022 season. He's probably going to be a cap casualty. At least that's how I see it. He's got the same cap number next year as this year, $15,858,823. That's the largest cap number on the Bengals. It's supposed to make $11 million next year, so if you cut them, you save $10,853,858,823 on the cap. So he's probably going to be a cap casualty, and part of that could depend on what happens with Eli Apple. Eli Apple has been playing in his place. He signed a one-year $1.2 million deal worth up to $1.6 million with incentives. And he's clearly outperformed that. If Eli Apple's looking for big money in free agency, there are two things which would force him elsewhere. I don't think he's going to get huge money, but it'll be the biggest contract he's ever signed. That Mike Hilton was signed this year in free agency, slot cornerback basically, um, for $6 million per year over four years. And Chidobe Awuzie uh, played near... Pro Bowl level signed for 
um, 21.75 million over three years. So I don't think they're going to pay Eli Apple more than six million. Um, so if someone else is willing to do that, he's probably elsewhere. Now the Rams, on the other other hand, have another example of them giving up the draft picks. In the middle of 2019 season, they acquired a disgruntled uh, Jalen Ramsey, who probably the for the past three, four years, consistently been the best cornerback in the NFL. You talk about shutdown corners, his name's at the top of the list. But they gave up a 2020 first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick to get Ramsey. Now, uh, before the start of the 2020 regular season, he became the NFL's first and only $20 million defensive back. Signed a five-year, $100 million extension, worth up to $105 million with escalators. And there's $43.703 million fully guaranteed at signing and $71.203 million in total guarantees, which were records for cornerbacks. Now, another corner, Darius Williams, is a restricted free agent this year. He's the only cornerback in the NFL who got a first-round tender. J.C. Jackson of the Patriots did not get a first-round tender, who was also a restricted free agent in 2021. He got a second-round tender for $3.384 million from the Patriots. That kind of shows you how much or how highly they thought of Darius Williams. Now, I don't think Darius Williams is going to be back next year. Uh, Williams didn't quite play at the same level as he did in 2020 to get the tender, but he did solidify himself as a starting cornerback. Um, he's not going to be for everybody because of his size. He's 5'9", but I'd keep it on one team in particular for Darius Williams. This is something I learned when I was an agent that familiarity brings comfort. So I started asking clients, okay, who do you have a good relationship for people you used to play for or people in the front office and which ones you don't like? Brandon Staley, the former Rams defensive coordinator, is the uh, Chargers head coach. They're going to have upwards of $55 million in cap space. They're going to have a needed cornerback. Williams... I have to see him in that Adoree Jackson range. Adoree Jackson, when the Titans didn't keep the fifth-year option for him, let him hit the open market. He goes to the Giants, $39 million over three years, worth up to $44.5 million through salary escalators and incentives with $26.5 million in guarantees. I kind of see that as the range or the neighborhood for a Darius uh, Williams deal. Now, neither team has a ton invested in safeties, but it's a lot more for the uh, Bengals than for the Rams. It's about cap-wise $8.35 million. For the Bengals, slightly under $3 million for the Rams. And the Rams, all their safeties are on rookie contracts. This is kind of getting back to how the Rams have been able to offset the high-priced guys with the trades by getting valuable contributions from guys who don't cost anything. They've been decimated by injury in the playoffs at safety. Um, Jordan Fuller in the regular season finale against the 49ers hurt his ankle. He's on injury reserve, hasn't played since then, and won't. Um, Taylor Rapp, the other starting safety, 
got a concussion in that game. He hasn't played since then, but will play in the Super Bowl. Um, Nick Scott has stepped into his place, and stepped into one of their places, and they signed Eric Weddle. Pulled him out of two-year retirement and put him on the practice squad and have, have elevated him each week. Now, there's no cap charge for Eric Weddle because there are no cap charges for people signed in the postseason. In playoffs, you get paid from a league pool uh, only if you have individual incentives like uh, Beckham and Whitworth or there be any other money associated with the playoffs. Now, um, for the Bengals, uh, Von Bell was a 2020 free agent signing, $18 million over three years. But the big one is Jesse Bates. Um, Jesse Bates um, was a second-round pick in, I guess that'd be 2018. And... He admitted that he was distracted at the beginning of the year because he wanted a contract extension, said he wanted to stay in Cincinnati, wasn't getting anywhere um, to his satisfaction. But Bates in the playoffs has looked more like the Bates that was a second-team All-Pro in 2020. Um, He's probably going to get a franchise tag. The safety number should be 6.201% of the cap. And if the cap is the cap's supposed to be two hundred and eight point two million, that'd be a twelve point nine one one million dollar franchise tag uh, for Bates. Now, the Bengals probably should have signed him before there were shifts in the marketplace. At the time, you had Justin Simmons, the highest-paid safety, who was franchised by the Broncos in 2021, signed for fifteen point two five million per year. Then you had in training camp, Jamal Adams signed for $17.5 million per year. Then you had an aging 32-year-old Harrison Smith signed for $16 million per year with the Vikings. So I don't think you're going to get Justin get um, Jesse Bates to sign a long-term deal for less than uh, Justin Simmons at this uh, point in time. Now, last thing we got to look at is special teams charges. And the Rams have about twice as much of the cap allocated to special teams we're talking 6.1 million to about 3.2 is is uh, how it how it shakes out. Now, with the uh, Rams, Johnny Hecker was highest paid punter, 3.75 million per year. They had signed Corey Borklas, who they subsequently traded to the Packers to have him uh, compete for the job. Some people thought that Hecker was going to get cut. He didn't, but he took a pay cut. Um, reworked his contract down to just under $2.6 million on a three-year deal. But he still has the largest punter cap number at just under $4.4 million. Now, the kickers are tremendous bargains. Uh, the Bengals drafted Ed McPherson in the fifth round. He's the only t- kicker taken in the 2021 draft, but they were criticized for selecting a kicker. They're not where they are without this guy kicking. Because he's been clutching the playoffs, and that is the most important fifth-round pick for this year. Now, Matt Gay is the uh, Rams kicker. Um, he's going to be a restricted free agent. He was the um, Bucks kicker. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2019, and he got released. Um, he made the Pro Bowl this year, and Gay was the second most accurate field goal kicker, converted 32 of 34 attempts for 91.1%. Uh, 
he's probably going to get a second round tender of 3.986 million um, from the Rams. And if you're going to do a long-term deal, <laughs> there's one deal that caught his attention. Um, in December, Raiders kicker uh, Daniel Carson signed a four-year extension averaging $4.6 million per year. So he's a $4 million kicker in worst-case scenario. And particularly if you put that tender on him, that gives him ammunition. That validates it, at least in his mind and his agent's mind. But um, that's going to be it for uh, this week's uh, Inside the Cap. Uh, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also read my regular uh, CBS column and Agent's Take. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye, and enjoy the Super Bowl.